Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of your church, Lord of our lives, thank you so much for the music in our services today, for the marvelous voices of the choir, marvelously led and directed, for the sounds and the beauty that come from the, uh, from the pipe organ, and Lord, most of all, for the singing of your people. Lord, hymns and songs that go back generations and melodies that speak to our inner being, those, Lord, we, for those, Lord, we are grateful. I pray, Lord, that you would now sanctify our time together in your word and bless us in a time where things are literally flooding and blowing uh, to put our feet on high, solid, dry ground. Thank you for those moments we have together in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To say it's been a crazy two weeks is to understate the obvious. It's been crazy the last two weeks. We've got Harvey and we've got Irma and we've got Jose working his way up into a hurricane. We've had a eight hurricane. Uh, earthquake in the Pacific Ocean, which rattled and shook Mexico. We've, we've got a crazy dictator in North Korea sending missiles over Japan. We've got all sorts of craziness going on in our own country. And, and into that, people look at a pastor and they say, what do you think? Is this the end? And I always kind of give the same answer to that. Yes, this is the end. Go home, pull the shade down, do what you got to do, say goodbye to you. This is the end. Because in the grand scheme of things, we should always be prepared for the end. And I'm reminded of those words from Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 8. Scripture tells us, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth plains. So is the Lord Jesus coming back? Well, yeah. On the one hand, yeah, he's on his way. Now, when that's going to be, I'm not sure, and neither are you. Matter of fact, of all the interesting things Jesus ever said, one of the most was about the end where he said, and neither I or anyone else knows, but only the Father who sent me knows when the last day will be. So is he coming back today? Well, I sure hope if he does, it's after 1.30, after the Packer-Seahawks uh, Packer game today. <laughs> Not really. There are many things in our lives that we'd like to see, that we'd like to participate in. And there's a part of us that says, well, if you're coming back, then give me a chance to see these things. And, and then we look at other things in the world and we say, well, if it's going to be this crazy up in the end, then amen, come Lord Jesus. Either way, he could come like a thief in the night this evening. He could come in a thousand years. But the call is not necessarily to mark the seconds, minutes, hours, days, etc., but to always be prepared. And be ready as the people of God every single moment 
of our lives. We live with our eyes in the sky, wondering if today is the day. And we live with our feet firmly planted on the ground through faith in Jesus Christ and a strength and a resolute spirit that says, Lord, if you're coming today, I'm ready. And if you're not, I'll live another day under your grace. Because we have been put into a story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the beginning and the middle we got figured out, but the end we're waiting to see what's going to happen and how it's all going to play out. The story, you know the story. The story is the story of grace, the story of Jesus, the story of life. And if you look at Deuteronomy 6, that's the the guts of the story are, are right there. The Lord said to the people of Israel, he said, hey, when you think you got it all figured out, when you're fat, happy, and sassy in the land, when you think everything's good and that you've made everything great, don't forget, but remember the Lord your God. Remember the family story. Remember Pharaoh and Egypt and the plagues and all of that stuff. Remember the the stone and the manna and the quail and all of those things. Don't ever forget your story. Don't ever forget where you came from. And if you think you're going to forget, here's what it looks like in about four simple verses. Teach it to your kids. Keep it on your door frames. Put it on your forehead so you remember and never forget the story of God's redemptive power in your life. Every family has a story. Looking out at the congregation this morning, I know some of y'all's stories. I've, I've even as a pastor been written into some of those stories. Story when a gentleman fell and was almost killed but was brought back to life. Story of families who could never concede, conceive and now sit with children, little wiggle worms in church. Families where husbands and wives absolutely hated one another and said, we will never get back together, yet they sit close to one another in church this morning. Every family has a story. The Klinkenbergs have a story. I'm sure some of it's made up because it goes way too far back into recorded or unrecorded history. Grandpa Klinkenberg in the late 70s wrote the genealogy of the Klinkenbergs. And it goes all the way back into the court of Ferdinand and Isabella into the late 1400s. And the story is there of Carl Klinkenberg. Now Carl Klinkenberg was one bad dude. He was a mercenary. He was tough. And as Grandpa Klinkenberg wrote the story of our family's life, he told the, 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 the little bit of the story that having been such a powerful soldier, there was no place on Carl Klinkenberg's body that you could touch where there wasn't a scar from battle. <laughs> tough, he's tough. I don't know if I believe that or not. I don't believe if that's real. But that's the story. And while I don't have my great, 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 great grandfather's necessarily toughness or physical prowess in fighting, if indeed that existed, I do have my father's soft heart. And I do have my mother's tenacity. My daughter has my competitive spirit, but my wife's loving kindness 
And my son has my deep well of tenacity, but his mother's kind way of doing things and a stick to that I could never experience. That's the story of our family, the story of God's grace for us and churning in your hearts as even I began to speak about story are the instances, the chapters, the lines, the paragraphs, the verses of your family, of your story, of what has been lived out that's brought you to where you are this morning. What makes you unique is a function of your story, a story that's filled with new chapters and chapters that end, that's filled with twists and turns and changes in the plot and new characters that are brought in. And we glory in telling that narrative over and over again. Like children who like to hear the same five books over and over again and then fall asleep in the arms of their mom, their dad, their grandpa, or their grandpa. It just seems we don't get sick and tired of telling the story or hearing the story. Because it's that story that defines who we are and what we're all about. It's the story that's brought us to be and informed what we do. The big grand story sometimes we forget, the story of Jesus, of life, of of God coming down into a garden and making an Adam and Eve, of sin wrecking the world and God coming down again to Abraham and saying, get out of here. I'm going to give you crops, kids and cattle. I will be your God and you will be my people. And I might not start on fire, but one day your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. That's the story. I will be your God and you will be my people. And it was forgetful people in Matthew 22 that walked up to Jesus and said, hey, I got a question. There's 10 commandments. You already smoked those other guys. Now it's my turn. You got 10 commandments. Pick one. What's your best? Well, if he picks six, someone likes four. If he picks 10, someone likes eight. Somehow he was going to be trapped into making a choice or giving an answer that then the people would try to smoke him on. So Jesus brought them back to Deuteronomy chapter six. I wonder if with his eyes and his tone, he said, fellas, you tried to trick me, but here's the story. You think you're so smart, you think you got this all figured out. It's this simple. First, love God, and second, love your neighbor. My sense is after Jesus said that, it got real, real quiet. First, love God, then love people. Any good Jewish Pharisee, soon as Jesus would have said that, would have said, oh, that's right, Deuteronomy, great Shema. Oh, man. We lost again. Do you remember? Do you remember? Because it's easy to forget. We live in homes that we didn't build. We live in a place that's marvelous. We have so much. Sometimes it's easy to forget where we came from and the roots of our story. And so this week and next week, we take a moment to focus on first love God, second love people. 
Because our story and our story together is rooted in God's love for humanity. Love rooted so deeply that God brought his son into the world. Not as kind of a, a bit piece into a little play or, or, or a, a, a little actor who just showed up for a cameo. He brought Jesus into the story to be the main character. All of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets point to Jesus. Jesus at the apogee of the story. And then like my favorite show, Law and Order, it all kind of plays out. You've got a criminal, a courtroom, witnesses, accusations, a guilty verdict, an execution, and payment for sin. Remember that story of God's grace for you in Jesus? A story that when our lives took a crazy turn and we went into the deep, dark recesses of a chapter of our life, we were led out, led back to the cross, led back to healing that we find in Jesus, for our sins in Him are paid for. Our story isn't always sunshine and happiness and all the great things that go along in life. And so God writes into the story of our lives His grace and His love and His forgiveness. And those of us who've been Christians for a long time, we nod when we hear that because it cuts beyond an a, 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 a intellectual thing. And God speaks words of grace and kindness to our souls. And we're drawn into that story. Forgiven, renewed, loved. That's the story of God intersecting in the lives of his people. Hearts are stirred by that story. And it's a story that continues to bring meaning and peace when things seem to be getting to the end. A peace that passes all understanding. Remember, love God first. When I think of that, I'm reminded to the, the, the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. I love that story. I love the story of young men. I love the, I love the story where, where, where Jesus, the Son of God, is with them. Where, where you would think that of all the things you're going to stay up for, it would be this. Jesus didn't stay, stay up because the ball's going to come down at midnight. It's all going to be really cool. He didn't say, stay up because we're going to open presents after church. He, Jesus knew the hurt was coming down. And he said to his disciples, I'm going to go ahead a little bit, watch and pray. And he comes back and they're dead asleep. Young men who struggled to keep pace with the Son of God. Like children who had heard a story one too many times. Had participated in too many activities. And had heavy, heavy eyelids. Jesus said, watch and pray. And in that quiet moment, they closed their eyes and went to sleep. We dare not fall asleep. We look at Harvey and Irma, and we wonder what Jose will blow in, and we watch and we pray. As stories of wars and rumors of wars make their way to the headlines, and news tickers tick with the latest craziness going on in the world, we watch and pray, never forgetting and always holding in faith that our story in Christ 
I will be for you your God and you will be for me my people. The guts, the plot, the theme of that story, closeness with God, gives us an ability to be confident and to persevere when so many are afraid. We are in Christ. Our name's written into the story of salvation. So we will not be afraid. Watch. Watch. And pray. We know how to pray. We've been praying like crazy people. We pray for those we know and love. We pray for our world and ourselves. And maybe prayer is that peace that draws us together with people in Spring, Texas, in St. Augustine, Florida, in Mexico City, in Santa Ana in Orange, California. Maybe it's prayer that binds our souls with them and allows our stories to align in encouragement and love. First love God. Everything we have, everything we are come from Him. Everything we do and we say reflect the story of his gracious presence in our lives. What's your favorite commandment? Love God first. And then love people. Simple, simple. But lived out day by day gives us strength and confidence to handle the chaos the storms, and the crazy people that are a part of the world today. God first, then love others. Amen.